We all know how this ends, with you behind bars. Oh, I'm shaking in my custom baby seal leather boots. You will leave atrocity. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Does It Hold Up, the podcast where we take a look at old movies to see if they hold up to today's standards. As always, I'm your host, Adam. With Emily. And today we are going back to a more recent year, 2010, to talk about a wonderful animated feature. No, it's not Despicable Me. We've already covered that one in an earlier uh, podcast, if you want to go back and check that one out. We're actually talking about a movie that's eerily similar, though, in Megamind. Megamind is the story of Megamind, who is an evil genius who came from another planet. As his planet got sucked into a black hole, his parents sent him to Earth to save him. Sound familiar? Sounds just like Superman, but except evil. Because there's actually a Superman in this story from a neighboring planet whose parents also sent him to Earth while their planet got destroyed, and that's Metro Man. Well, Megamind actually wins one of the battles, and Metro Man's gone. Megamind thinks he loves it, thinks he's enjoying it and everything, but kind of misses having a good guy to fight. So he goes about creating a brand new good guy. Well, turns out maybe that good guy isn't that good at all. And Megamind must become the hero now. So, let's dive in. What do you think? I absolutely loved this movie when it first came out, and I still love it today when we watched it again. I don't get confused, though. Just because she loves it doesn't mean that it, it's going to hold up. I love a lot of movies that do not hold up. Same. I have so many guilty pleasure movies, it's unbelievable. So, we have Will Ferrell starring as Megamind, the voice of Megamind. What do you think? What do you think about him? Is he good? Is he bad? Like, I'm not a Will Ferrell fan. Uh, I think I really only care about, like, two movies that he's actually done, and that is Talladega Nights, because it's pretty funny, and Stranger Than Fiction. I'm not a big fan, so... I don't think I've seen either one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not a Will Ferrell fan, like, at all. I This is going to get me a lot of flack. I actually really hate the movie Elf. Oh, I can't so... stand it. So We'll probably never cover it because I wouldn't be able to find anything good to say about it. <laughs> I'd probably be able to find good things to say, but I, I don't like that movie at all. So I'm really not a big fan of his. Although in this movie, I thought he did fantastic. I normally hate when he does his whole, I'm going to ham it up and that's how my comedy is going to be. But in this movie, and maybe it's because I didn't get to see him like phys- physically being over the top. I thought he was perfect for it. I thought he added a nice humor to that character while also playing him still sympathetic and uh, emotional. Uh, I agree uh, for most of what you said. I you know, stated I'm not a big fan of his. He doesn't bother me that much in this movie. I do think he is still kind of weak, though. He's still putting a little too much Will, Will Ferrell into the role, and... You know, he's a lot like an Adam Sandler for me, where it's just, they play the same kind of character over and over and over again. And Megamind just feels like another Will Ferrell, but from outer space. He doesn't add anything great to this movie. It's not like, I'm going to remember the way this character spoke and acted and 
it's just nothing special, really. See, I disagree. I honestly think anyone else in that role might have done it even even slightly different, and some of those jokes wouldn't have hit as well. Like, the whole idea of him mispronouncing words. Spider, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I can say Metrocity instead of Metro City. That doesn't make it special. Yeah, but for me, I, I feel like someone else might have not portrayed it as well. I mean, they originally wanted Ben Stiller to do the role of Megamind, who has a fun little cameo as Bernard, the library <laughs> keeper, that's Ben Stiller, uh, because he couldn't commit. He was doing something else, or I don't know the actual story, but for some reason he didn't end up being Megamind, but he still wanted to be a part of it, so he took on the role of Bernard before he gets taken over by Megamind, but he was originally going to do it, and I think he probably would have done fine with it. Ah, I think you needed that nice I mean, you could have had Adam voice. Sandler do this, too. No, he his voice is way too high-pitched, and since he was supposed to be I mean, kind of a just, weakling, but like, his, having his deeper voice would have But that's just fine. Adam Sandler's voice. That's his character voice. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen a lot of his movies, yes, he does that weird, stupid voice in the comedies, but he's done some dramatic movies, and he doesn't have that voice in it. That's just him playing a character. But so I feel like, like they would have tried to do that character in this being a funny film. I don't know. He could have been Chris Rock. I mean, it could have... For me, it could have been anyone. I don't think Will Ferrell made the character good. I think the writing and the idea of saying these words incorrectly was what created the character. So, I don't know. I mean, we're going to disagree. Yeah. Cause, cause... And that's totally fine. <laughs> but I know you had said previous, like... He, he is so good in this movie. Yes. And I think he's just mediocre or mediocre, or however he would pronounce <laughs> oh, yeah. it as Megamind. He's just mediocre. He's doing a Will Ferrell thing, and I don't know. I just, I'm not in love with it. I think he gets overshadowed by a lot of the other talent that's in this film, and I think the script just did him a lot of good, and it makes him better than he actually is. I guess we'll have to agree to disagree. Then he is fighting Mr. Metro Man, who is the Superman of the story. You know, invulnerable, all these powers, everything. And he's voiced by the always talented Brad Pitt. Yeah. (laughs) Which I didn't actually realize until, like, this latest viewing, when I got to see the cast list, and I'm like, it makes so much sense. Yeah, he so he does a really good job of hiding that it's Brad Pitt. There's definitely moments in this movie where he's speaking, and I'm like, that's Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like, I hear it so much. But then there's other times he's talking, and I'm like, I don't know, that could be any comedian doing a voice. Like, it doesn't stick out in your mind of, like, that. I know who that is. Well, and you also don't really expect Brad Pitt to be doing voices, like hmm. a voiceover. Not just a voiceover, but one who has, like, eight total minutes of screen time. Yeah. Like, he's got, like, 30 lines of dialogue in the entire movie. It's not a lot. And you got this A-list actor who, you know, in 2010 was blowing up and just, he's huge. I mean, he's been blowing up since the 90s, let's be honest. But, <laughs> you know, he was still huge, still working on a bunch of big stuff. And you get him to be in eight minutes of your movie as a voice that nobody's even going to recognize. It's just... What a weird thing, but he actually pulls it off really well. Like, I 100% believe that Metro Man... Is basically Superman. Is is real. He puts so much life into the character for such short screen time. And he has some of the best lines in the whole movie. I mean, in the opening, <laughs> when 
Megamind has Metro Man trapped inside the observatory, and they're going back and forth, and it's like, I'm going to heat you with, rev or cool you down with, or heat you up with revenge, and Metro Man just responds, he's like, it's pronounced revenge, and it's best served cold, and you're just like, that's amazing, I, I did that whole scene, yeah, no it justice, was so please wrong. go YouTube <laughs> it, Google it, watch the whole movie, it's he outshines Will Ferrell in that part for me. And then he, once again, you were just going to jump ahead in the movie here, but he doesn't actually die. You know, spoiler alert. Uh, <gasps> How it's a 12-year-old movie. Get over it. Um, <laughs> but Metro Man doesn't actually die in the beginning when everybody thinks he did. He just, he was done being Metro Man. He didn't want to be a hero anymore, so he kind of departed and dipped and grew a beard and was hiding out and became Music Man where, <laughs> so he could keep the logo Wonderful his name. words not mine but when megamind and roxanne richie who we're gonna get to in a second because she's wonderful as well they find him hiding out and he steals this entire scene from them like yeah they're they're acting their voices are carrying they're doing a great job of like showcasing oh my god we can't believe you're still alive and we're also kind of pissed at you because this new villain is really wrecking stuff and you're doing nothing about it and then Brad Pitt's just here, like, cool, let me sing you this song that I wrote, because, like, I'm awesome, and I can see through lead. And you're like, okay. Though it totally leads up to one of my favorite jokes of the, granted you have talent, yes. when he really he, can't He's sing. a terrible singer, but <laughs> let's not kid ourselves, Brad Pitt. You'll never hear this, but please don't sing anymore in movies. Unless it's for a joke like this. Yes. Um, but again, he steals that scene. He's in it with a veteran voice actor like Will Ferrell with a comedian, and he's funnier. He delivers his lines better. But again, is that the writing, or is that him? Because I feel like he had a lot of that good straight man uh, writing to him that, you know... But he didn't. I mean, he had just as many jokes as Megamind. There was no real straight man. The straight man in this is actually a straight woman in the character Roxanne Ritchie plays the straight man in this. He's just as funny, if not funnier. But is he funny because he has the whole, like... He's supposed to be the hero, the straight Super... Man. Almost like Captain America, Superman vibe of, like... No, I love you, random citizen. Yeah. But that's funny. And the way he delivers it is funny. That line... You want to talk about that line coming out of somebody else? That line right there, I love you too, random citizen, could have been said by anyone and it would have come across flat, really flat. Because there's nothing funny in that line. It's not a, yeah. oh, bow down to me, metrocity, when it's clearly pronounced metro city. It's not spider. You know, like he doesn't have funny words to say. He has very straightforward lines, but the way he reads them, so funny. He's the, he's only in eight minutes. He's the star of this movie for me. While I'll disagree that he's the star of this movie, I will agree he does a wonderful job. I'm not trying to argue with you at that. <laughs> I'm merely, like, talking back as if you're... Because you came so hard at Will Ferrell. Well, I gotta come hard at Will Ferrell. I he needs to do better. <laughs> I, had to do better. I had to come at you for Brad Pitt. Understandable. <laughs> but then we're gonna move on to one Roxanne Ritchie, who is your quote-unquote damsel in distress, the lowest lane of the story who's voiced by the always wonderful and just love her and everything, Tina Fey. I was going to say, should be in everything. 
should be. She's talented writer, talented actress. And she is always so fun. She does so well in comedies. And I love that they don't give her superly explicit comedic lines in this. No, she is the straight man in this. She's the one everybody else has to play off of. And she can further jokes, but she doesn't get a lot of comedy herself. She just plays off what's going on or lets them play off her. And it's so good. In fact, one of her funniest moments for me was the whole idea of when Megamind uh, kidnaps her the first time. And she's like, yeah, I already thought of all this. Like, you're not scary. Yeah, he's pulling out saws. He's pulling out lasers. He's pulling out gators. He's pulling out... A wheel with boots? I'm attached to it spinning. I'm not sure what was going on there. That could be dangerous. Absolutely. You could get kicked a whole bunch. But yeah, she plays it as just like, cliche, been there. Yeah, you tried that last time. Which is so funny. But the words themselves are not funny. Again, they're not written funny. The only character written funny in this is Megamind, which is why they have a comedian portraying it. But that's why I can't give him credit. You were given the funny lines, of course you're going to be funny. These other people are having these very straightforward lines where they're supposed to be serious, and you're still giggling at all of it. So, yeah. Love Tina Fey. Absolutely. <laughs> she Tina did Fey fantastic in this great. role. And I'm sorry, let me, let me retract an earlier statement I had. Brad Pitt is my 1B star of this movie, because the real star of this movie is... The Minion. Not Minions. Not Despicably Me. Not the little can't talk gross little Mm -mm. things. We don't talk about them. Uh, We talked about them enough in the other podcast. (laughs) We're going to plug it one more time. Go listen to it. It's one of our lowest rated ones right now. Lowest listens, lowest downloads, all that. It's it's... Apparently we're not the only ones who don't really like this movie. Yeah, it's on the level of Bruno. We don't talk about (laughs) it. (laughs) But a different Minion who actually... Megamind's parents gave to him as he escaped the planet. So he grew up with him. Uh, is played by the always wonderful David Cross. Not a name a lot of people recognize, but if you look him up, you're going to be like, oh, I totally know him. He was in so many things, and he's always so good. And he is everything in this. He kills it. It's... Like, imagine getting a script and being like, yeah, you're going to be this alien fish that is given like this big ape body and uh yeah how, how are you gonna play that and even crosses like here hold my beer i got this seriously and the fact that he does it in a more high-pitched voice you wouldn't necessarily expect from that kind of creature is brilliant yeah he's like this menacing looking piranha style fish so you're yeah. like oh he's gonna be really mean and he's gonna be and he's like hi guys what's up and you're like oh my god just amazing um but it's not just the voice that he uses and everything it's the way he he just comes across like he's so hyped for literally everything and like megamind can do no wrong in his eyes and he's just happy to be there like when they actually win which is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie they they beat metro man they're taking over the city and minion just says you know i, I just want to be next to you when you get your award and Megamind looks at him. He's like, what award? He's like, I don't know. I just want to be next to you. <laughs> and it's just like so brilliant. And it's, again, there's these weird lines. These are not funny lines either. They're odd, out of place lines because it's an alien fish who doesn't understand anything. And it's hilarious. Every single time he speaks, I'm like, shh, 
Everybody shut the hell up. I need to hear what he's saying. We all need a minion in our lives because he is the ultimate hype man. He will, no matter what, have your back and be like, yes, you are the best thing that has ever happened in this universe. Like, I, I need one of him in my life. <laughs> I mean, I always think about him. He is Megamind's Alfred, but alien and somehow more sassy. Like, I love Alfred. He's always sassy. He's always just, like, putting Bruce in his place. And I feel like that's kind of Minion as well. He always has to, like, check, reality check Megamind and, like, kind of bring him back down or get him focused. And he just does it in the most sassy way. He d He's sassy, but he's so upbeat about it. And lovable. And lovable, mostly because he's so upbeat. Yeah. So where Alfred is normally so serious and sassy, um, Minion is lovable, cheerful, sassy. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. But then back to the story. So when they get to Earth, Metro Man ends up with a wonderful little family. He's got a lot of money and they take care of him and they the, woman, the woman's always wanted a baby. So like, you know, he's given the world basically. And Megamind's spaceship crashes into a prison where he's taught all the wrong things. Which, why does he have to stay there, by the way? You know what? They don't explain it. They really don't. You know, because he was adopted in the prison and they're not just going to, like, give a baby out, I guess. I don't know. But they do do something. They do send him to shul. I mean, school. <laughs> yeah. That's the way Megamind pronounces it, as in shul. Um, but they it do send him makes there. Makes some sense. Yes, yes. <laughs> they they send him there so that he can get a learning because they do apparently care for him and want him to be taken care of and everything. Yeah. But they send him to the school that uh, for some reason Metro Man is also going to, which is like some <clears throat> one room school red schoolhouse that you right next to the prison. Yeah. Like literally right next door. It's the weirdest thing. It makes absolutely no sense. No sense whatsoever. But as they grow up together, um, Metro Man is always doing, like, using his laser vision to pop popcorn for the kids and basically buying their love in different ways, flying around, protecting, all that good stuff. Megamind is like, I want to be good, too. I want that admiration. So he shows them that he can create really cool things. Like, he's brilliant. So he creates a little mechanical suit for his little fish buddy to walk around with. And then he tries to pop popcorn, but instead he starts a fire. He invents a dehydration gun where he can dehydrate anything into a little cube and then rehydrate it later, which is just amazing. Somebody yeah. get on that. I need one, like, yesterday. But I wanted to... This is where something really interesting happens in the movie because they kind of touch upon two different aspects here, and I, I want to pick your brain about them, is the first one, this movie's almost like an anti-bullying campaign because... When they're young and they're at this school, Megamind is doing his best to be loved and welcomed in, but instead he's being put in time out. Metro Man's kind of like overshadowing him and kind of bullying him, being like, ha ha ha, I'm better than you. And all the other kids are laughing. They take a school picture together, and the teacher, Metro Man, and all the kids are on the left side of the picture, and Mega Man's on the right side of his picture all by, the, all by himself. Yeah. And that's interesting because it's like if they would have accepted him and been like, hey, here's a gold star for you as well because you tried really hard. Do we get Megamind, the supervillain? Or do we get just another great mind who might do amazing things? Honestly, 
I saw it as one of those anti-bullying films because it is all about that idea of you put a, an idea in someone's head. You just keep telling them, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. Eventually, they're going to start believing, oh, I am bad. Or this is the only thing I'm good at because I'm constantly being put down for anything else I try to do. So I honestly think if they would have accepted him from the beginning, because even in the first scene where he comes into the building, everyone's freaking out about him. Well, yeah, I mean, he's big, giant, bulbous head and he's blue. I mean, if they've never seen him before, it would freak you out a little bit. And in chains for some reason. Yeah, I mean, he's coming from a prison. They got to make it look good. But you know what? I'm not going to lie. If he would have done that in high school, people would have loved him. Because they would have been like, oh my god, what were you in jail for? You're so cool. You're such a bad boy. And like, man, they just, they let him go to school way too early. Just wait till high school and then send him. <laughs> he becomes the most popular kid there. And then we don't even have to worry about the rest of the movie. Um, so yeah, it's definitely an anti-bullying campaign. Because as he's trying to do good and he keeps getting put in time out and all these things keep happening. He even says that, like maybe i'm just good at being bad maybe i'm bad and that's the only thing i'm good at and then goes well if i'm gonna be good at it i might as well be the best at it and that's what sets him on this path so you know just accept him listen anybody out there just accept some people or you might create a supervillain. who knows that's i feel like the beginning of all supervillains ever pretty much yeah they all had one bad day <laughs> but another thing that they touch upon early in the movie here and they do explore it, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little more later, too, is something like nature versus nurture. Because I don't think Mega Man is inherently evil. Obviously, he's not. We get that by the end of the movie. But because he was raised in a prison and treated in that way, he does become a villain. And he does want to take over and destroy things and everything. And then Metro Man, who we don't know if he's meant to be good or bad, but he's in a loving home, he's popular at school, he becomes the hero. So, is this movie mentioning nurture as more than nature? Because they were both raised in different ways and took that direct path later in life. Except for the fact that he becomes good by the end. Not only does he become good, but Metro Man skirts his responsibility and dips. So he almost becomes, I don't, he's not mean, he's not evil, but he comes kind of selfish. He, he has all this great power and he just skirts all the great responsibility that comes with it later. So it's almost like they kind of flip. Well, I mean, that's almost still with his nurture of always having everything he wants growing up in a rich family. Yeah, but he's he's getting away from his responsibility. Spider-Man would be very upset with him because with great power comes great responsibility and he's not living up to that at that point. Sure, he's been doing it for years, but he still has the power. He still could. But instead, he's like, no, no, no. I just want to make music. I don't care about people anymore. Yeah. That's just interesting. So I, it's such a weird idea that you, that you think it's portraying nature versus nurture. Because it shows a bit of both. It shows how nature can drive you in one way, but then it's like, no, but your 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 nature will eventually show through. You mean nurture is going to drive you in one way? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I realized that halfway through yeah. saying it. <laughs> so it could be, you know, it's just an interesting thing that this movie plays with, especially 
considering where we end up by the end of the movie because they lean so heavily on the way they were nurtured as kids to how they got to where they are but then obviously they end up on different paths by the end just a neat little thing that i think could raise a lot of conversation between like parents and kids or you know watching this movie together see for me the biggest uh, talking point on that uh, you know when we're talking about themes is the theme of choice you can choose what you want to be instead of having to let other people choose for you not only with megamind but the idea of metro man just because you have this power this responsibility doesn't mean that you have to be a hero it's the idea of the obligation versus want are you obligated to be a hero i guess because you have that power but have you always wanted to no you I mean, should be able to follow what you want. That's a fair point. I do believe he wanted to be a hero. But wants can change. Absolutely. So it's just a nice little aspect that they threw into this f- stupid little kids movie that it, it, you can see it as deeper than what it's offering to you. Where it's like, oh no, you're you're fine. Because it's not anything, any outside circumstance, you know, like... Again, this movie's been compared to Despicable Me for its entire life. People know Despicable Me. They kind of, sort of, maybe remember Megamind. It's not a big hit. It didn't create sequels and spinoffs and all that stuff. Which is beyond sad. It's very beyond sad. It did get a short little film when it came out in the DVD, which is like a mini sequel, but it's we're not going to go there. But I haven't seen that, and now I feel like I have to go hunting <laughs> for it. You definitely have to go find it. It's cute. <laughs> but the... What I'm trying to get at is, like, Gru in Despicable Me, he has an outside source come into his life that makes him want to change all the three little girls. Other than that, if they never showed up, he's still a villain. Yeah. Megamind does that on his own. He decides, yes, Roxanne is is there, but he's already bored with being the villain before they start talking. So... I think this one delves into that idea so much deeper that if I had to choose, obviously, one of these movies to show people to talk and get into a conversation, I'm showing a Megamind where you're talking about bullying and changing who you are and obligations versus want. I'm showing them this long before I even touch Despicable Me. And that's not me personally being like, I hate Despicable Me. That's just like... This movie touches upon so many themes that you can explore and really talk about. Yeah, because there's not just those, but it's that, and this comes with the whole bullying thing, but the idea of perception. The reason he fully wants to change, and he wants to change in himself because he he didn't want to necessarily be evil, but people perceived him as evil, so he did evil things. As soon as he got a taste of being perceived as someone who is normal, who can do good things, he was like, I'm all on board. I like this. He just wanted to be accepted. Yeah. His entire thing in this whole movie is just wanting to be accepted, whether it was as the bad guy, as the good guy, or as neutral. Just, that was his want. And it was just interesting to see to go throughout. So, like... This is such a great piece to, you know, parents to show and be like, you know, what's your want? I understand what other people might want of you or how they look at you, but let's talk about what you want, what you need. And so just that aspect. This is literally just the opening of the movie. We haven't even grown up into like the big battles and everything yet. 
and there's already so much going on. One of the other things is that the t- school he goes to is just terrible. <laughs> the teacher oh, yeah. never reprimands anybody. Except for Megamind. Except for Meg, But she doesn't reprimand Megamind. Metro Man always reprimands him. And then puts he him, gets picks a him gold up and puts star. Him in the court and then gets a gold star. So, like, it's a, it's a martial law in that classroom. The kids are running it while Metro Man's running it. And it's just, it's terrible. So, they grow up. And they start becoming supervillain, superhero, and they do battles all the time. And our first introduction to grown-up Metro Man is they're opening up a museum for him, and he's there to cut the red ribbon. And this is where you first see the sign that Metro Man's actually a dick. Ah, uh, 100%. He <laughs> flies over the crowd. He, first of all, he just has this, like, superiority complex. Like, he acts like he's above everybody else. This citizen screams, I love you. And yes, it's cool that he responds, but he does it like, instead of just being like, I love you too. So it could be general or not kind of like single somebody out. The idea that he's like, I love you too, random citizen. Like he doesn't even care who you are. You're just some random citizen. I mean, he literally flies over the crowd and have people kissing at his feet. Like there's so many Jesus metaphors. Then he walks on water while giving his speech. It's just, it's crazy. And then obviously he gets resurrected later, even though he wasn't actually dead. So like the movie portrays him in this Jesus-like aspect and the crowd eats it up like that. But there's one point where he flies through the crowd and these women are all holding their babies out and you're like, oh, he's going to fly by, kiss them. No, dude, he fly by, flies by, kidnaps them and juggles them yeah. while on stage and then throws them back into their strollers. And... I, these are babies. Like babies. Like babies, babies. Those babies are dead. Or yeah. really, really injured. You know, that they are dead. Not even a question. Yeah. And like, he just eats up this adoration. Like, it's just crazy. And you get these little hints of like, man, maybe he uh, doesn't want to be the good guy. Or doesn't want to at least be this level of good guy. He's kind of just doing the showboating, doing it. He's going through the motions at this point. But it's also showing the crowd as, you know... Not allowing him. Yeah, they're they're loving on him. Like, they... He can do no wrong in their eyes. And that is toxic. Yeah, that's almost worse than looking at you like a bad guy because it's like, he could have done anything he wanted and everybody would be like, cool. He could have blown stuff up. Cool. He could have robbed places. Cool. They were so infatuated with him. And it's just interesting because he takes full advantage of it. Oh, yeah. He does whatever he wants. I mean, imagine getting a giant statue of yourself and a whole museum dedicated to you. Yeah. One of the reasons uh, Superman is not my favorite superhero in comics because there's a huge complex there that we're not going to get into. (laughs) So this at the opening of his museum is where we're actually first introduced into Roxanne Ritchie. And, you know, again, played by the wonderful Tina Fey. And she is possibly the most well-written character in this entire movie. Because Lois Lane, for all the good that she is, she is always damsel in distress. Lex Luthor is always kidnapping her, and she's always screaming for Superman's help and all this stuff. Roxanne's kind of just toughening of herself. She never acts like a damsel. She gets kidnapped and she's like, okay, can I just get my punch card? Can you just punch my kidnapping card and I can just leave? Like, I'm so over your sh- right now. Yeah. And then turns out, like, her and Metro Man weren't even dating, even though everybody wants. She was like, no, he's not my type. Ew, gross. 
And she's like <laughs> so well written that she gets attracted to this little nerdy bookworm guy. Well, the big muscly man is always having to save her, and it's just a nice little subversion. And I really enjoy her character. Yeah, they write her very strong. They make her almost stronger than Megamind in in many senses, in which he literally comes groveling to her, you're the smartest person I know, I need your help, at, at towards the end. Um, because she's the one that figures it all out. She Yeah, she uses her mind, but she's also not afraid to like get physical physical. (laughs) like she she literally goes to bat against some people yeah absolutely so she's just great and then we also get introduced to her cameraman because she is a news reporter she's the play on lois lane and his name is hal just just funny in and of itself voiced by an always talented jonah hill but god this character is just grating and that's the point he's a sociopath he is creepy i know you really want to get into this because he is beyond like if you met this man in real life you'd call the police because you'd be scared for your life i'd have some pepper spray on me at all times if i had to work with him yeah he's the kind of guy you keep your eye on in a bar because you never know what he's going to do to something around there so go ahead get into it For me, they didn't have to make him so overly creepy. Well, tell me how he's creepy. So Break it down. He is constantly hitting on Roxanne, Roxanne, whose name I forgot for a second there. Uh, He is constantly hitting on Roxanne, trying to get her to come over to his place, come do things with him. But he's always way, way, way too much on it, so that it's just... Ah. <laughs> so let me talk to you in 2022 terms here. He is your prototypical nice guy. Yeah. Well, I'll just do the nice things and I'll say nice things and I'll and eventually she just has to sleep with me and get with me because yeah. I'm just so nice. I'm so owed this. And he's so far removed from reality. He straight up lies to her. He's like, "Yo, I'm having this little get together at my house." It's going to be really cool. Like, I got a DJ and a bounce house, and when she there's going to be food and all this that stuff. that she doesn't want to be around people because, you know, Metro Mind just dot. Me- Metro Mind. <laughs> yeah, no, Metro, Metro Man. Yes. Too many M names yeah, in this movie. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Metro Man just died. So she doesn't want to be around people, and he immediately goes, well, it'll just be us. Yeah, like, he, he flips on a dime and goes, oh, no, no, it's, it's just the two of us. And then you can see it even in her eyes. They animate her so well in the moment she has to talk to Hal. Like, she's entirely creeped out by him. And it's like, no, I'm good. And he's like, are you sure? Because, like, it's cool. Like, we can just go get, like, coffee. And we can, like, just hang out. And, like, and then he gets in the van and he's, like, cussing himself out. Obviously, we don't hear it. Yeah. But, like, he's really angry at himself. And it's just, oh, boy. If they were making a documentary about how how serial killers start, that's it right there i mean he literally punches the van and when he drives away he runs stuff over like it's so toxic oh yeah and this isn't the only time and we'll touch upon a few more when they come up later but every time we see him they just overdid it yeah they didn't have to go as hard on that part of his character for him to still end up where he ends up yeah i mean a little creepy still goes a long way but 
a fun fact for you, because I don't think I've done a single fun fact no, yet this episode. No, this will be the first time. Um, when we first meet Hal outside the um, opening of the library, on his vest, he has a yellow smiley face pin. You don't recognize it. Most people don't because it's not exactly the same. But it's a nice little homage to Watchmen. I the actually had Watchmen, that thought. And the comedian who wears a little smiley face pin who is a good guy. Well, he's not. He's a bad guy masquerading as a good guy. But really, he's probably one of the most evil people in Watchmen in that he sets off all the events of that comic. And that's just a nice little foreshadowing with Hal of like, oh, look, he's sweet, he's funny, he, he has a crush on Roxanne. No, he's a freaking sociopath. Yeah. And I just, it's a nice little nod. It's blink and you'll miss it. You won't, most people don't even notice it. But foreshadowing, great job. Oh, yeah. It's just, he, he creeps me out. He gets super possessive of her and it's just like, nope, mm-mm. No, you didn't have to go that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go into our first major fight where Metro Man's going to die. And he's trapped in this observatory, and they're bantering back and forth, and then Metro Man dies. Um, just going to jump right into our second fun fact, because not a lot. Of, this is something you will never see in the movie, unless you literally go, like, frame by frame. But Metro Man fakes his own death. We learn that by the end. And in this scene, we're watching it on two large banner televisions, as, like, outside City Hall. The whole crowd's watching. And if you pause the movie... And you go frame by frame, one of the frames, Metro Man disappears from his screen and then appears behind Megamine on his screen before going back. And that's just a nice little, again, foreshadowing. This movie does a ton of foreshadowing. I'm going to touch upon some of it while we go. As a foreshadowing that he is clearly in control and isn't actually dead. Yeah. And it's just so funny because, again, this is not something you can notice when watching the movie. You have to go frame by frame. You have to watch it at like one quarter speed to be able to even slightly notice it. I love when movies put in that kind of detail because it give, it makes it worth the rewatch to be like, did you see it? Did you see it? Right. And then it's like, see what? And once you learn about this fact, it's like, okay, now I got to go watch and I'm going to freeze frame it. I'm going to go through and I'm going to look for it. I immediately thought about that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so they have their fight. Metro Man dies and... Megamind wins, and he takes over everything. And we get this nice little fun montage of him doing fun things around the city. And then all of a sudden, the cracks start. You can tell he's not so happy with owning Metro City. He misses the battle. He misses the fight. He, he wants something more than what he currently has. So he heads off to the library, the big statue of Metro Man that they were unveiling. And nice little touch here. He's having this heartfelt moment with the statue being like i miss you i wish you were here you know to dead metro man and he's holding yellow roses and that's so cute because yellow roses represent friendship mm -hmm. and that's such another hint of like he didn't see metro man as his enemy as his nemesis he saw this as like friends going back and forth with banter and fighting and Throughout the whole movie, you'll always notice every time Megamind is doing something, it's an abandoned building, it's an empty street, it's a... He doesn't want collateral. He thinks this is a game. He's just playing with his friend. 
To be fair, I actually had this thought watching it as well, where it's the idea that Metro Man is as close to a friend as he has. He's the only one who literally pays him attention mm-hmm. in any type of way. So when he does win, what really gets to him is the fact that he no longer has that kind of attention because everyone kind of goes back to their normal lives. Like, yeah, there's a little blurb here and there in the news. Like, oh no, what what's going to happen? Yeah, Megamind's doing this or what can we expect? But but no actual attention. People just get on with their lives. Whereas if Megamind, Metro Man was still alive, he would be thwarting him and he would do, be doing this type of like, quote unquote, play with him. Oh yeah, Absolutely. So we get this moment, and then as he's talking, Roxanne's also there, and she's like, hey, who's there? So he he dehydrates Bernard, the library guy, and puts him in his pocket, and he replicates himself as Bernard. He's got this wonderful little watch that can kind of project an image, um, although it might be more than just a projection because he can touch stuff and move stuff, and Roxanne can touch him without realizing that it's just a projection, so he like actually changes yeah. yeah, tiny details. You so know, <laughs> some of the science in this movie obviously makes uh, no sense. It's space science. We don't need to know. Fair. So he changes into Bernard, and then they talk for a little bit while he's blowing up the statue. Yeah. He's just casually like, we should probably leave now, and he blows up the statue. And then he starts getting to know Roxanne while at the same time missing Metro Man. And she somehow during a conversation they're having comes up with this little idea of like what if we could just replace metro man like create a new one and megamind's like oh hell yeah i can do that (laughs) so he does he goes and he takes all the good stuff of metro man and puts it into this little capsule and he's like i'm gonna find the right candidate and i'm gonna create a new metro man so that i can have my friend back who i can play with who i can battle and and fight for the city with but here's the problem somehow that little tiny capsule Ends up going up the nose of Hal. Yeah. Sociopath Hal. And that's where shenanigans start. So, Hal doesn't know what's happening. He just doesn't feel good. So, he goes to sleep back at his apartment. Megamind and Minion show up because they want to be there for it. And <laughs> Megamind uses his little watch to transform himself into this little pudgy old man with white hair dressed in like galaxy looking clothes, star clothes. And does the worst Marlon Brando Zorel impression ever, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and he starts training Hal to be the new Metro Man. But you get these little hints that maybe Hal doesn't care enough. He doesn't want to fly the way Metro Man flies. In fact, he starts flying just by sitting down. He just sits in the air like he's driving a car and starts flying. And Metro Man has to correct it. And then he goes and he finds. Roxanne and he's like hey check it out I'm like super buff and I'm superhero now and he takes her for a joy fly and then like drops her and he's like oops I forgot if we're gonna like make this into a thing like we're gonna date I should probably rescue a few times first so he starts tossing her around like it's nothing and like having to swoop down and catch her and like all this stuff and like that entire moment just blows my mind so I'm like wow you went there it wasn't bad enough he was a sociopath as a person, but he couldn't even have these powers for one day without going nuts. It, in fact, 
amplified it because he wasn't just this pudgy, weaselly little guy anymore. He felt on top of the world. He felt like that must have been the only thing keeping him from Roxanne was his appearance, his that he wasn't Metro Man. He didn't have that power. And now that he has that power, he has to get the girl, right? That heroes get the girl. But it's that whole idea. You're not owed anything. But he thinks he is. And yeah. that's what's so creepy about Hal is, you know, I've never had to be in that position being a man. No man has ever, like, come up to me and been that, like, really curls friend, but also secretly, what's up? Let's hook up. Hook up. But, like, I know, you know, as a woman, you've probably had that before. And there's all these women out there that they experience this. And yeah. it's probably terrifying where you're like, oh, no, that's just my best friend until the one night he's not. Yeah. It, it's very awkward and a lot of pressure on you to be like, I still want to be your friend, but I don't want that. Yeah. And, and I told you no, and you were not listening. And this is a huge deal in the world where it's like you have to somehow appease them. Otherwise, you could be in danger. And it's so much more visceral when it's this super person yeah. who is literally doing this. Where it's like, no, he could literally snap you with like a pinky. Yep. And so that how much more dangerous that is and how much more like amazing Roxanne is from being able to be like, no, what are you doing? Like, you can I'm going to stand up for myself. You can see her treading that water, too, where it's like, I can't go far enough to just start calling him out on it, but I also can't fully give in. I have to tell him no, but I have to be as nice as possible and almost leave the door open for a possible yes later so that he doesn't snap. Which you can see, actually, throughout the entire film. Every time she has that kind of interaction with him, she has to kind of politely say no or mm -hmm. make excuses as to why she can't or why she won't. Which is just so terrifyingly real. But, you know, in a sense, it's like, yes, you you feel like that's the only way to get out of it in that situation, but you're also kind of creating it bad in the future if this person is going to continue to be in your life. Because down the road, they still think something's possible. So it's like... That, that hard balance that they have to push. And that is such an adult thing to be putting in this kid's movie. And yet it plays pretty well in the movie. Like, it comes across as scary. Not as scary as it could be. But it comes off across scary enough that you get those evil vibes. And the kids could pick up, like, ooh, Hal's a little weird. We don't like him. But as an adult, you're like, ooh. I can't believe they went there. Yeah. Wow. So it's really good. Um, but once again, she turns him down. Because she's falling for Bernard. They've been hanging out a lot. They go get dinner together. They hang out. Well, that all comes to an end when one night at dinner, they're having a conversation and they kiss. But while they kiss, Megamind's watch malfunctions and he no longer looks like Bernard. He now looks like Megamind and everybody freaks out. One thing that I really want to bring up is... Getting back into that uh, really fine detail that they put in is any time he is, has the watch going, his eyes are green. So whenever he's he every time he does another character, though their regular eyes as themselves are different colors than his. Well, it's with yes, 
the watch doesn't change your eye color. That's how you know who's who and when. They don't change your eye color. They just change everything else about you. But they don't explicitly say that in the movie. So that's something that you kind of notice as it goes on of seeing uh, he portrays the warden who has brown eyes, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so you can tell when it's him because of the green eyes. Bernard also has, I think, like hazelish eyes. Yeah, they're like yellowy brown. Yeah, brownish eyes. So you can kind of tell who is who. And I I thought that was a wonderful touch because you don't necessarily notice it first thing. Yeah, I mean, especially with Roxanne and Bernard, she's talked to him like twice. Yeah. Prior to getting to know him as Megamind. So she would notice, but we notice. Mm-hmm. We see it. So go ahead. Uh, another, I know you got one more thing I know, I know. Say. Coming back to that idea of perception and the idea of she would never give... Megamind, the the light of day. But now that he looks like Bernard, he's someone totally okay to talk to. That level of perception. Even though he has the same personality, he has the same traits, he's not doing evil things because he doesn't need to anymore. He's getting the attention otherwise. But he also owns the city. He's already won. He doesn't need to continue doing evil things. So yeah, it's just another little great touch that this movie has. So she realizes it's Megamind. And breaks up with him. And so he's like, I'm going to go and be evil again. Yeah. As one does. As one does. Of course, you got your heart broken. You're going to go be evil. Another fun little fact here. Roxanne's dress. Did you notice anything about it throughout the whole movie? The fact that it's a beautiful purple blue dress. Purple blue. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're you're almost there. Uh, That it's a beautiful purple dress that has these nice little ruffles kind of so when we first meet roxanne she's wearing red the exact opposite color of blue megamind is blue his skin is blue everything's blue as she gets to know bernard and accept him more and more at you know megamind as bernard her dress changes to a purple and then at the end of the movie when she does not care that he is Megamind anymore, her dress is now completely blue. That is a so really nice, a nice touch. So it nice little, like, purple in the middle, red and blue combined, because she's on the fence. And then when she fully accepts, her dress is blue. Details. They matter. They really do. And it's not even something you notice maybe your first time through, but it's such appreciated on either rewatches or even just finding out about it and looking back in your head. Oh, what a detail. Like, so much work into it. A lot can be told from color. And that that whole idea of it being complete opposite with the red, going to a purple and then to a blue, is such a wonderful touch to see where she is at mentally. Without explicitly stating it. Without her being like, Bernard, I think I'm falling for you. Mm-hmm. And then Megamind, I've clearly 100% accepted you now. She never says anything like that. She's like, I hate you. I think you're still a jerk. Mm-hmm. And at the end, she's like, we'll work on it. Yeah. But the dress has shown that even though she might not fully be there yet, outwardly, inwardly, she is fully there. Yeah. Yeah. Great details. Great details. And then this is when the movie goes completely south. So she breaks up with him. He gets mad and he's like, I'm going to go fight Titan, Hal, his new superhero persona. So he goes to try to fight him, and Hal doesn't show up. And he gets mad, so he goes to Hal's apartment, and he finds out Hal's been robbing people. 
because he's not the hero you thought he could be. Because you can put the powers of a hero into somebody, but if they don't have the ideals of a hero, the mind, the want to save people, you just gave a bad person power. I mean, the whole idea of power corrupts is tenfold in and this case. power corrupts absolutely, and Hal has all the power. He has absolute power. So without a strong will and morals, you get a Hal. Exactly. So he goes, he finds out he robbed everything. He's got bags of money. He's got video games. He's got speakers. He's got all this stuff. And Megamind gets mad Yeah. that he went bad, like really mad. So he looks at him, he goes, hey, or Titan Hal says, you know, what's the point of being good? I, it didn't even get me Roxanne, because that was the whole reason he was going to be a hero, was to get the girl. So he says, get the girl, get Roxanne. And Megamind goes, Roxanne Richie? And Hal's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I had Roxanne, and we kissed. And he starts rubbing it in a little bit, because he's trying to get a rise out of Hal. He's and trying to get his fight. He's trying to get the fight that he's been desperate for. And Hal goes berserk. And it's not a fun fight. Um, Megamind is in his big mechanical suit, and he's trying to be like, I said something funny. Okay, now you say something funny back. Let's banter. What do you got? And Hal just grunts at him, and he goes, I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, like, really great moments, but you can see Hal has now completely snapped. If he gets his hand on Megamind, he's going to kill him. Yep. There is no line. It's dead. And that's scary. That's terrifying, watching this man completely lose it and go hard when this character we've learned about through this whole movie in Megamind has a very, I don't want to say kind heart, but a very genuine heart. And he's not really evil, and he just wants to be part of the world, like you said earlier, accepted. And now all of a sudden, this guy who was created by Megamind wants to murder him. And we're kind of in love with Megamind at this point. Oh, like, yeah. we're, we're behind him 100%. And it's scary, because they do a really good job animating Hal as terrifying. Seriously, as soon as his eyes go red, you're like, oh, yeah. no. And it's it's crazy. So Megamind barely escapes this fight and has to, like, run away. And this is the instant that we get that whole idea of the crowd being like we absolutely adore you beyond the what should be towards whatever superhero they they think it is you know they go up to hell they're like oh my god we love you you're our new hero and he's like i wouldn't call myself a hero it's more like under new management yeah so what a great line though yeah you, great you're not line free. for a bad guy but it's that whole idea of they immediately were rushing into love him even though he was destroying things where it looked like it you could tell that he was out for blood and it's like they were like okay but they were ready to accept him no matter what because he wasn't megamind that's all they knew yeah perception was megamind's the bad guy so anybody fighting megamind must be the good guy anybody with that Mm -hmm. kind of super power is a hero exactly but megamind escapes with his life and that's when he comes crawling to Roxanne and is like, you're the, you're the smartest person I know. I need your help. Yeah. So they go back to the shul that Megamind and Metro Man went to. And they find out that that's where Metro Man's cave is. 
his little fortress of solitude. Yeah. And they go in, and this is where they find that he's still alive as Music Man. He sings this wonder, wonderful little song about how he can see through lead. You know, eat it, Superman. I can see through lead. <laughs> <laughs> great, great touch, though. And, you know, it's all, you're going to come back and save us, right? And he's just like, no, I'm done. Yeah. I, I'm not doing it anymore. And looks at Megamind and says, you know, if there's evil, just know good will always rise up to win. Yeah. And he like straightens Mega Man's collar and kind of like pats him on the shoulders. And you're like, okay. Then they do this wonderful little detail that I'm sure just skirts by a lot of people, but I catch it and I love it. Is they cut back to Megamind destroying the city in a newscast being like, he's evil, he's not good, blah, blah, blah. And then they cut back to Metro Man and he's standing looking into the glass case that has his super suit and his head is perfectly placed with the reflection that it looks like he's wearing his suit and then he slowly turns and looks past the camera and then it cuts away and it cuts to titan hal kidnapping roxanne and being like megamind come face me because this has to happen so megamind goes and faces him and saves roxanne for a moment and then looks like Mega Man gets hurt really bad. And guess who shows up to save the day? Metro Man. Metro Man. He shows up. And you're like, duh. We just saw him looking at the suit. Of course he's going to suit up. And we get this little fight. Not really a fight. Hal is terrified and he flies away. And Metro Man chases him and is just, stay out of my city if you know what's good for you. But he doesn't say city. He says, matrocity. Stay away from atrocity if you know it's good for you. And he goes back, and it turns out that it's Megamind dressed and with his little changing watch like Metro Man. And I think that's such a good subversion because they give you the exact scene of the hero getting ready to suit up and go fight crime again. And then he shows up, and you're like, he did it. I don't know what this means for Megamind, but he came back. No, it's just Megamind in disguise, and it's so good. It is wonderful. So subtle and so good. And it's such a smart idea. Like, this that is the one person this guy would be afraid of. And he just went for it. And that shows to his intelligence as well. Yes. I mean, that's his bread and butter is how smart he is. And he uses it. And it's great. But it's also great because the hero doesn't come back to save today. He, he, we have a new hero now. He made his choice. He made his choice and he stuck to it. And he gave Megamind the power to change his fortune and make his new choice. Yes. So it's just, it works on every level for everyone. But then obviously Hal comes back because he knows there's only one person that calls it Metrocity and not Metro City. And he's mad. Then they have this little skirmish, which is weird because Hal has all the power and he should just kill him right away. But cartoon physics... He gets to fly around and dodge laser beams and all this good stuff. And then he gets his dehydration gun that he injected Hal with the powers with. And he sucks the powers out. And he wins. Because good guys always win. And evil always loses. Mm -hmm. The bad guys always lose. And that's a great line. Megamind tells him after he beat him, you know why you lost? Because the bad guys always lose. Yeah. And he knows that because he was the bad guy and he always lost. There's this wonderful line at the beginning of the movie where he's like, I fight I fight him. He's my greatest rival. He wins sometimes. 
I almost win other times. Yeah. And it's just such a great line because it's saying he's never won, but he's almost won. But bad guys always lose. But he also has the line pretty close to the end there where he's like, there's a good thing to always losing. You get to learn from your mistakes. Exactly. And then we get this wonderful little happy ending of everybody loves him. Hal's back to normal and he's going to be arrested. Roxanne has accepted him. And the crowd is all cheering him. (laughs) And then they all close in on him to like celebrate him. And he pulls out his little ray gun. He's like, back up, all of you. Get back. (laughs) Because he's still not ready to be accepted yet. He's still not at that point. He's still in the evil-ish mindset. Well, he's never been accepted. So how would he know to react? Yeah, he has no idea how to react. But it's so genuine and so funny. I love that uh, Roxanne has to be like, he's just not used to positive... (laughs) Yeah, positivity. It's yeah. great. It's great. So good. Um, and, and we then, end on the exact kind of mirror of that Metro Man day. Where with the big statue at the library and everything, except this time it's a statue of Megamind. Megamind. And everybody's cheering him and he's taking it all in. But there's a big difference. He is doing it very genuinely. He's still got that little evil edge to him because he's like, all right, everybody put your hands up. And the music plays, so they all start dancing. And then he's like, now give me your wallets. <laughs> and everybody kind of pauses for a second. And then he chuckles and everybody starts dancing again. He still has his heart yeah, in it. Where compared to the opening, it seemed like Metro Man was like... Putting on a show. He was putting himself above everybody and it didn't seem real. It just seemed like... Another statue. Oh, I'm the hero. Yay. Oh, you want me to kiss babies? Like, mm-hmm. it just didn't seem genuine. And then we get this really great moment with him at the end. Genuine. Yeah. Fun fact about the ending there. If you pause it and look closely enough, Megamind is holding up a globe, just like the Metro Man statue was. And remember how I said earlier that Minion just said, I want to be next to you when you get your award? Mm-hmm. Not only is he next to him playing the boombox, everybody's listening and dancing along to music, he has a tiny statue inside the globe that Megamind is holding. The big Megamind statue is holding. I did not notice that. So he gets to be by him always. I really gotta, like, go back and watch it. (laughs) It's hard to see. They glance over it quick and it's everything. So if, like, you really watch, pause it, and really look at it, you'll start to make out it and you'll be able to see that... It's a little statue of Minion. He Once gets again, to be next to him forever. All of those tiny little details. Oh, that... this movie is so chock full. Like, we could make an entire podcast on just naming all the little foreshadowing and all the little details. Because another great foreshadowing is when Megamind is little and he first creates the dehydration gun, he dehydrates Minion. And then he rehydrates Minion. But when Minion comes back too, he floats upside down. He's yeah. a fish. When fish float upside down, usually that means they're dead. Yeah. But then he flips over and he's like, ha, 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 just kidding. And then in the final battle, when Minion is using the transforming watch and pretending to be Megamind, after the whole battle's done, Megamind leans over him and he, Minion's like, oh, it was so good to fight with you. I'm so glad we won. And he's like, oh, I see the light. And Megamind just picks him up and throws him in the nearby fountain. And he's like, oh, he's so dramatic. <laughs> and Minion jumps up in the air and he's like, oh, I just needed to take a swim. And it's just, they played that scene again. He was dehydrating and dying, comes back too, and he's okay. They mirrored the scene, not in the same way, but the same idea. And that happens so often in this movie. 
we can't even go into every single one. Yeah. But when you watch it, this is a movie you have to pay very close attention to if you watch it, because you will love it even more then. So now, as always, we're going to talk about some of the things I didn't like in this movie. You know, we just we just praised this movie for a long time, but there are some major points in this movie that I don't think work at all. So we praised characters for being smart, especially Roxanne. She even is said to be the smartest person Megamind knows, even though he's a genius. But man, is she dumb sometimes. Megamind's voice doesn't change because... Again, little details in this movie. When he transforms as the Warden, so Minion and Megamind both transform into the Warden, cosplay as the Warden throughout the movie. And they, when they talk, they sound like the Warden. And when he talks, when he transforms into Me- Metro Man at the end, he sounds like Metro Man. But they show this little moment in the beginning where the watch says recording, and the 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 warden speaks so he got to copy his voice bernard he doesn't get a chance he's in a panic mode and he just scans his likeness dehydrates and puts them in his pocket they never record his voice so bernard has megamind's voice how does roxanne not notice there's literally a part where she's in megamind's evil lair with fake bernard who is transforming back and forth between bernard and megamind and doing a little skit where apparently those two are fighting and they sound exactly the same. And sorry, Roxanne's been shown to be kind of smart in this movie and she's a reporter, an investigative reporter. How does she not notice? See, for me, that wasn't as egregious simply because it was portraying the idea of perception. You can look at someone and have, you know, the idea of back to Superman Superman with his glasses on and Superman without. So it's like having that little bit of difference, changing the perception of him to where it's like you don't immediately see this guy as an obnoxious villain. You see this guy as someone new. So I I didn't get as angry about it as I know you did. Yeah, it it was because it's not just so much his voice, but it's also the way he, he speaks just like Megamind. And when we meet Bernard, even for that brief moment... He has a certain cadence to the way he talks. It's very slow. It's very thoughtful, thought out. It's very melancholy. Now he's a little bit more hyper, like almost immediately, because she sees Bernard, hears another voice, runs over there, and it's Megamind now as Bernard. Mm -hmm. Completely different than a Bernard we just saw 15 seconds ago. How does she not put two and two together? It doesn't make any sense. Because also... One thing that bothers me in this movie, and it plays into this a little bit too, is it's cute a little that Megamind mispronounces words, but I don't understand why he does, because every time he's Megamind, he pronounces school as shul. I got to go to shul. We got to go to shul. I was at shul. And when he's Bernard, him and Roxanne are talking, and he goes to talk about school, and he starts by going... Oh, back at shoot, I mean school, that doesn't strike her as weird that he starts saying the word shul like Megamind would and then has to change it to school. This is an educated librarian that can't pronounce the word school. And also, if Megamind knows he's pronouncing that word wrong, then why does he pronounce it wrong? I felt like that was a uh, specific choice on... 
Megamind's uh, character to himself. Like the whole idea of spider versus spider. He he did it to kind of separate himself from other people. It, it's so weird though because he comes to Earth as a baby, so it's not like he would have ever learned to pronounce these words wrong. Yes, he was raised in a prison, and maybe those guys don't have the greatest speech, speech patterns, the way of talking. But trust me, they know how to say the word school. They know how to say the word spider. It's stupid. Well, and that... if unless you're gonna reference it in the movie and tell me why it's happening, why do it? It doesn't make sense. It makes the character look like an idiot and especially makes Roxanne look like an idiot for not knowing it's Megamind dressed as Bernard. Two points. One, I think because he's doing it purposefully, it it's more of like his own kind of character choice. Then tell us that. I, I, Give I us fe- something. I feel like he was kind of uh, telling you that when he was like, Spider. Oh, Spider. Like, it's him putting on airs almost. That was my, the way I took sure, it. Sure, absolutely. And then, I just took it as he's an idiot. <laughs> and then beyond that, she also knows that Bernard is supposed to be a massive Megamind, like, super knowledgeable about Megamind. So it could be a fat, like a fanatic kind of thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to start talking like him because he's so interesting. Man, you read, you saw this way differently than I did because... I thought it was dumb, and I thought it was like, we'll make him really funny by having him mispronounce words, but only when it doesn't make sense, or when he's trying to overemphasize, or there's no real rhyme or reason as to why he does it, and it just comes across as really dumb, because when you can say the right word, but then you purposefully say it wrong, but then you're mad that people pick on you or make fun of you, well, then don't do that. If you can not do that, and that's one thing that maybe people look down on you for, don't do it. Yeah. If you're that upset about it. Well, we don't know that he did that when he was younger. So it could be something that he was just like, I'm going to start doing this to kind of get attention. Maybe. Because his whole whole shtick is basically just, I want attention. Give me attention. No matter Absolutely. what I have to do to get it, I will get it. Absolutely. It's like having having that kid who will always get in trouble because it's the only way that he can get attention. But that kid knows how to speak. Yeah. He knows how to say words. So. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. I I guess I viewed it different than you did. Yeah. Every time I watch the movie, it just bothers me. And I'm like, just say the word. The line would still be funny. Will Ferrell, if you could read it funny without having to mispronounce the word. I guess. And another thing that bothers me is the time. I don't know what time period this movie takes place over. Like, how long? Has it been, like, a month since Metro Man died? Has it been seven years? Is it... What's my time frame here for him to get... I took over the city. No, I'm super lonely. Okay, I gotta create a new person. Okay, I fell in love with this girl who's also fell in love with me, and the hero that I created is, like, super bad now. What's my time frame here? Because everything seems to happen in, like, three days. And... You took over the city, and, like, three days later, you're like, oh, no, I'm bored. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It seems to come so quick, and I don't... It's hard to process then. I guess you can kind of get an idea of sense of time based on Metro Man's hair by the time they get I mean, to him. He grows a beard. He grows a grow beard, a, and his hair is two days. substantially longer. Eh. 
So I, I would say him getting bored took but about, like, a couple weeks to a month, and him training took, like, a week or two. But is Metro Man's hair longer because it's longer, or is it because he's not wearing it all poofed up? Because when we see him later, it's all just flat, and that's why it's long. So maybe it's just he's not poofing it up. Maybe he's always had long hair. Yeah, but he had short hair, like, in the back and sides. Mm, I don't know. You're stretching. I'm stretching. Everybody's stretching. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's the time frame is a little weak for me. Everything seems to happen overnight. I mean, she falls in love with Megamind in, like, two days. This we, man that's kidnapped her Yeah, forever. but we're getting multiple montages that can kind of yeah, explain like that explain that time is passing so you have to suspend your disbelief when you get a montage that time is passing that's okay that's fine (laughs) that's fine it's just i I love the movie but there's so many little things that they could have just addressed and it would have made a more complete story instead of just like when hal gets shot with this power-up juice right Mm mm-hmm he gets knocked out. They hit him with the forget me stick, which is just a baton. <laughs> and they just hit him and knock him out. Which is really so funny. funny. But when he wakes up, how come he's doesn't remember Megamind breaking into his damn house? And why is he not questioning who this I'm your space dad is? And you can clearly Minion is just in an apron and a really bad wig on top of his fishbowl. And Hal just doesn't care. Sorry, Hal is creepy, but he doesn't seem like an idiot. Oh, for me, I got idiot vibes from him. You just, you're just going against me on everything. I, I see really how it am. is. It's fine. I really am. I, I will admit it, it was definitely a suspend disbelief moment where, yeah, he probably should have noticed. And that was kind of adding to that hilarity that he immediately was like, oh, okay. But, but see, that's not funny to me. Yeah. Writing dumb things like that's not funny to me. It just makes me question why. They could have done it in any other way. But they chose that. Yeah. I mean, why couldn't Megamind himself go out and do bad and then, like, teach him through battles instead of teaching him as his space dad? Like, are we saying Superman exists in this universe and maybe that's why Hal recognized? Because he was like, oh, this is kind of like Superman. Superman's got a space dad who taught him how to be a superhero. Because like, that's what they're referencing, and Hal just goes along with it, so I feel like maybe he's seen it somewhere else. Or the idea that comic books and that kind of pulp culture is prevalent in this world, too. Maybe. Because I feel like there's definitely people in this world who would just be like, oh, okay, I'll go with anything you have to say. I mean, I just got superpowers. Clearly, I must have a space dad and space stepmom. I guess. It's just, it's really weird. And then just the idea of him being Bernard is super awkward to me. Like how much he likes being Bernard. And then when she falls for Megamind by the end, it's really nice that she fell for actually Megamind and not Bernard. You know, it's like the looks don't matter thing. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like he wasn't being actual Megamind when you guys were out on dates. Because he had to catch himself saying things. He had to catch himself doing things. So you weren't actually getting to know him that much either. For it to be like some happy love story at the end. Plus, you just get a ton of convenience in this movie. Yeah. And you just... It just drags. 
at points too. Where you're just like, okay, this is like the fifth montage we've had in this movie. <laughs> we get it. You are good at montages. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely and then, movie 101 with a lot of it. It's very basic. It's very paint by numbers. But I feel like it it does that paint by numbers well enough that yeah, absolutely. I like it. Because my last thing I want to touch about in the in the bad thing is, so he creates Titan, Hal's superhero person persona. He creates him. He gives him all the powers. And I know his failsafe is he thinks Metro Man is weak to copper. So he's like, oh well, I'll just build a copper cage and I'll put you in it in case you ever got out of hand. Why make the superhero that strong in the first place? You had control of what powers he could have. And I know you wanted Metro Man back, but why not just dumb him down a little bit so that you actually wouldn't get whooped so frequently and so hard in your battles? He makes him invincible. Dude, you had control. I think he was trying to go too fast with it. So that he didn't actually put that much effort into, like, picking and choosing what this person had. I don't think he thought that this process all the way through. And that's kind of what uh, Minion tells him. Like, this is a bad idea. This is You're not thinking Always this through. Always listen to Minion. Always listen to Minion. So he's like, you're not thinking this through. So Megamind is definitely not putting enough thought process behind it. Because he's like, oh, this is just such a great idea. I'll just make another. Not realizing the implications of... If I choose the wrong person, I gave them godlike powers. It, it, he didn't think far enough ahead to be like, oh, if it's not the exact same person, because he thinks, oh, someone with this power is just going to be a good person. So he didn't think far enough ahead to be like, okay, well, I have to make it him less. But then again, he also thought the guy's weakness was copper. So Well, because he was told the guy's weakness was copper. Yeah. I mean, Metro Man literally says, I just oh, mean, no, I'm weak to copper. I just mean he's like, I don't have to change anything because he has such a really easy, easy weakness, weakness easy that if if I choose the wrong person, or at least he thought ahead enough to have some sort of failsafe. Absolutely. No, I, get, I, I mean, I get it. These are just my issues with oh, the yeah. movie. And, you know, I want to touch one more time really quickly upon something we, we already went into stuff about, but one thing that really makes this movie hard to watch and why I wouldn't choose it maybe to show people or, or do it is how far they go with Hal into the creepiness mm -hmm. because it does cross a line like no he doesn't touch her he doesn't say vulgar things he doesn't but he's so far beyond that line as an adult that you're like uh-uh well uh, he... I can't I can't deal with him why would I ever show my kids this and it could be that's why this movie isn't as loved as despicable me well, he literally did the whole, you didn't go out with me, so I'm going to kill you. Yeah. He, oh, no, he, I know. We already touched upon it. I know. He, he he did it. It wasn't just a threat. He was literally going to do it. And that's what is that whole crossing the line thing. And it went just too way, far. Way, too far where he didn't need to be that bad. To make to Mega Mind. To the bad guy, to make Mega Mind be the good guy. Yeah. You know, so... I, I just, could understand that's why that. it's hard to, to watch this movie and why I might not show it to somebody. So, uh, before we go into final thoughts here, another fun little fun fact. Um, this isn't something that's like that unnoticeable, but some people might have glossed over it. When Megamind takes over Metro City, 
you know, this movie came out in 2010, so it makes sense. He's got a bunch of red, blue, and black and white type posters up with just his face, and they <laughs> yeah. all say, no, you can't. Yeah. And it's just such a fun play. I'm sure you recognize it. Yes, I do. What do you recognize it as? As the uh, Obama poster. Yes, Barack Obama, who was president. Uh, his whole posters were all about, like, yes, we can. Mm-hmm. You know, because we can do anything. That was his campaign thing. And so I just think it's really funny that Megamind's like, no, you can't. Yep, in the mm-hmm. same exact mm-hmm. In the same exact ex- poster. Um, and then if you follow us on TikTok, which I implore you guys to do, we put out a lot of good stuff over there, some fun little videos and stuff. Um, you get box office numbers, you get ratings numbers, you get additional fun facts, you get little skits, things like that, about the upcoming movie, little hints to what we're doing. But this is just such a good fact, little fun fact that I, I don't want to miss out on telling you guys on here. But usually when you're watching a movie, you can kind of see the voice actor in the character. You know, you get that whole, like, vibe or who they're based off of. Well, Brad Pitt voices Metro Man, but it looks nothing like Brad Pitt. Because if you guys know... Um, if you've ever seen like the Evil Dead movies or you watch the show Burn Notice from years ago or even Ash versus the Dead uh, that was on a couple years ago, you know the actor Bruce Campbell. Well, he was the studio's first choice to voice Metro Man. And if you check out our video over on TikTok, you'll see what we're talking about. It's at does it hold up underscore between each word. Come give us a follow. I think you'll like it quite a bit. We also have a Twitter at DoesItHoldUp13. Check that out. We post some fun stuff, too. I had a really hot take on there about uh, the movie Inside Out from Pixar. So head on over there and let me know what you think about that take. And now we'll go into final thoughts. Start, please. My final thoughts on this movie, and I'm hoping that it's not because I'm biased, is that it does hold up. There is way more good to this movie than there is bad. While hell is such a problematic issue on how bad he gets, I just think the themes of choice, bullying, perception, the idea that you can make your own life, you don't have to live the life that people have chosen for you, is such a great message that it is worth a watch altogether yes um i agree with you i think if you can look past how bad hal is as a character this movie definitely holds up it has so many great themes and values to it that can start really good conversations and even if you have you know if if as an adult you have some older kids and you guys watch this movie together it could also, how being a bad guy, start conversations about like recognizing these kind of things in people and, and when the line can get crossed and everything. So I think, yes, 100%, this movie does hold up um, and way better than the other movie that came out in 2010 that it gets compared to. I would watch this movie a thousand times before I'd ever watch that one again. Same. So, so much. 100% holds up. That was our dog shaking her head, wearing her collar. <laughs> she agrees. It holds up. She was 100% agreeing. Um, And if you're interested in watching it, I believe it is currently on Prime Video, but only for another, like, week or two. 
So if you want to see it, get out there and see it then. I'm not sure where else you could watch it. So Or go buy it because this is one or go, is yeah, worth buy it. Owing, owning. We, we own it. Love it. So yeah, that's it, guys. Movie definitely holds up. We'll see you again next week with the new movie. I don't know what it is yet. So yeah, I I'm going to be just as surprised as you guys when we go to th- record. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, keep watching movies. Bye.